Today's show is brought to you by Laser Away. Labor of Love listeners can save up to 75% on laser services at Laser Away. Go to laserway.com slash love now to schedule your free consultation. Today's episode is also brought to you by Open Account, a podcast that gets personal about making, losing, and living with money. Created by Umqua Bank and hosted by Sujin Pak, download and subscribe to Open Account wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of realsimple.com. Father's Day is just a little over two weeks away, which means our local drugstores and gift shops are stocking their shelves with greeting cards that say things like, you're the best dad ever. But many people's relationship with their fathers is much more complicated than the ones portrayed by these cards, which is why Emily McDowell's line of honest, relatable, hilarious cards is such a welcome addition to the greeting card aisle. Emily is a Los Angeles-based writer, designer, illustrator, and owner of Emily McDowell Studio, and her cards speak to the messiness of our non-traditional, difficult-to-define relationships. Her Father's Day cards include sentiments such as, Happy Father's Day, Mom. Thanks for being my everything. And thanks for being my honorary dad. I love you. Emily is here with me today in the studio to talk about the inspiration behind her work and the success of her company and what she hopes to accomplish through her line of cards. Hi, Emily. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great thrill to have you here as as I am a huge fan of your cards and your messages. With Father's Day coming up, I thought we would start there and get a sense of how you approach holidays like this when you are creating work that you want to resonate with people. So if it's around a holiday like Father's Day, Mother's Day, and all of these these occasions where we're supposed to say the right thing in the right way, how do you go about thinking about your messaging? You know, it's funny because I sort of throw the whole idea of the right thing in the right way out the window. Um, and that's really where I start. And I start thinking about what are our actual relationships like? My whole company was founded on this idea of making cards for the relationships we actually have and not the ones that we wish we had. And it was a response to personally feeling like having a, I was having a hard time finding cards that resonated with me and with the relationships that I had. And I felt like, you know, there are a lot of cards out there that speak to a very specific segment of people around different holidays. And I know that there are a lot of people who have what we call, quote unquote, non-traditional relationships, which really just mean like, we're all people. Um, <laughs> and there is really kind of no such thing as like a traditional anything. But I really wanted to provide an alternative with my work to help people find something that resonated with them and their own and their own personal relationships. Well, that's one of the things I really like about the card I just read from about Happy Father's Day, Mom. There's so many people I know who were raised by their mothers or raised single, you know, with, with a single father or mother. And they, that card in particular acknowledges the fact that some people don't play a traditional role. They play many roles in our lives and we need to have a way of celebrating that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's interesting with social media, you know, Facebook in particular becomes sort of like a tribute to fathers and mothers on Father's Day and Mother's Day, which can be really lovely. And it's wonderful. And it's a wonderful way to celebrate parents. But I know that 
for a lot of people, it can also be really painful. Like if you're, if you're, if your parents couldn't show up for you or didn't show up for you, or if they are no longer alive, or if, you know, your mom or dad bailed when you were a kid, you know, and people have estranged relationships, there's just a whole spectrum of relationships. And so I think that it feels nice to be able to go into a store and find something that reflects your own reality um, and that makes you feel like less of a weirdo um, <laughs> when you're sort of looking at like scrolling through page after page of people like talking about how amazing their parents are. And maybe you didn't have that experience. And so it's nice to feel validated, I think, and, and have somebody recognize that it's it's totally normal also to have this other kind of relationship. Something we'll talk about is your uh, you've also done a line of empathy cards, which speak to a lot of the very tricky situations and painful moments in life that we often don't have the words for. One thing I was thinking about regarding Father's Day um, and Mother's Day, too, is what do you think the best approach is for telling someone who's lost their parent or who doesn't have a relationship with their parent that you're thinking of them on this day that, you know, usually is reserved for a lot of, as we were saying, happy thoughts and, and wonderful memories. But for some people, it's just really a day to get through as soon as they can. I honestly think that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have any kind of fancy language for it. It just literally is what you just said, saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. I know this day might not be super fun or easy for you and just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. I don't think that it needs to necessarily be your job to comfort someone because I don't know that there even are if you've lost your parent I don't know that there's necessarily some like platitude or words that someone else can say that will comfort that situation but just knowing that they're not alone that there are people who care about them and who are thinking of them is the thing that's going to make someone feel better did you know that the average woman will spend over ten thousand dollars on razors and 72 days of her life shaving are you tired of spending all this time and money on what is also ranked as the most hated beauty ritual? I am too. I have dark hair. I spend a lot of time obsessing about it. And those statistics, the $10,000 on razors and the 72 days shaving sounds like an understatement to me. It's a good thing our friends at Laser Away have us and our bodies covered. As the nation's top laser hair removal and aesthetic experts, Laser Away offers the most advanced cutting-edge technology to offer dramatic, permanent results in just a few treatments. Shave time and not your legs. Get up to 75% off laser services and schedule your free consultation today by going to laserway.com love. That's laserway.com love. How much of your messaging comes from your own life experience and how much are you drawing on the experience of others? It's a combination. I think, you know, I draw on my own experience as much as I can, um, but I also really look to kind of the whole spectrum of human experience because I there's a lot that I have not personally experienced, but there's a lot that I can recognize that is really universal, um, whether I've experienced it or not. You know, I, I worked in advertising for a long time as a writer before I started my company. And part of what 
you do part of kind of what the what the mark of a good writer is is being able to write about things that are not you. So like I worked on beef jerky, I worked, I wrote ESPN commercials. <laughs> You're not a beef jerky enthusiast. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I like a, a good jerky, but I'm not like a you know. But I, I like I wrote ESPN commercials, and I've watched you know I can count on one hand how many like football matches I've watched. I'm I'm really not a sports person. They're games, not yeah. Matches. Okay, okay, yeah. Go score, win team. Um, and so. But I wrote ESPN commercials that that ran and that were like, you know, not terrible. And I think that that was a skill that I really practiced for a long time is getting in the head of the person who is your audience. And it's less so it becomes less about you and more about recognizing what is true about a situation and what is emotionally resonant for people. So I discovered you um when I was searching for an appropriate Valentine's Day card for my husband a couple of years ago. And one of your Valentine's Day cards said something to the effect, and I might misquote it and you can correct me, um, you're my favorite person to lie in bed with and stare at my phone next to or something like that. There's no one I'd rather lie in bed and look at my phone next to. Yes. So it was both a hilarious sentiment and so, you know, of our age and also this like, reminder slash nudge for both my husband and I, like we really got to put the phones down and connect and happy Valentine's day. Let's do that. You also had an awkward dating card um, and that went viral. I remember a couple of years ago. Can you talk about where you get your ideas for the cards uh, that we are, you know, for loved ones and people we're in relationships, romantic relationships with. Sure. Well, the awkward dating card is actually kind of an interesting story because that's the card that started my whole company. Um, that was the first card I ever made. And up until that point, I had been selling um, illustrated prints of my work on Etsy. I'm going to interrupt you. Can okay. you, um, without visuals, to try to explain to the audience what that card said and looked like? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So this card, it's a white background and it has just sort of slightly wonky block lettering on it that takes up almost the entire surface of the card. And it says, I know we're not like together or anything, but it felt weird to just not say anything. So I got you this card. It's not a big deal. It doesn't really mean anything. There isn't even a heart on it. So basically it's a card saying hi. And then in tiny letters, it says, forget it. And the idea for that card came about because I was thinking about Valentine's Day was coming up. And this wasn't my situation at the time, but it has been certainly my situation many times where you're in a relationship where you're kind of dating someone, but like not really. And Valentine's Day comes and you're like, what do I do? Like, do I, if I don't say anything, that's weird. Like, if we don't acknowledge it at all, that's weird. But then if I give them like a normal card, then that's also weird. And I feel like I have to like caveat it all over the place. And I basically have to give them a speech that's like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal here. I just got you this, whatever. And so I thought it would be so funny to make a card that basically is that speech. And so you don't actually have have to do the talking. You can just kind of hand this person a piece of paper. And I hadn't, I thought I really wanted to do cards. I was really attracted to the idea of cards because I love the insight into relation. I love that a card is is a relationship and I love the psychology of them. And as a writer illustrator, it also really appeals to me, but I hadn't done one yet. And I felt like, you know what, this one, I am going to just have a hundred copies printed at a local printer and put it in my Etsy store. And maybe no one will ever see it. But if five, if I can give this to five people who this is relevant for, those five people are going to be so psyched because it really speaks to 
a very common kind of relationship that just wasn't addressed at all at the time in greeting card world. Right. And so that was what happened. And Etsy put it on their Facebook page the day after I listed it and it went super viral and it was on, you know, BuzzFeed and we're trending on the front page of Reddit and nine gag and Cosmo everywhere. Yeah. So clearly there was this missing there was like a, right. there's a gaping hole in the greeting card aisle for people who are of awkward dating situations right. on Valentine's Day. Totally. And you filled it. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, this past Valentine's Day, you also launched a love lessons haiku contest. You asked people to submit haikus about what really means. One of my favorites was cohabitation works better if one one of you really likes cleaning. Um, that is true it is in true. my experience. Um, another one said, we share everything except for some purchases, which I have to hide. Um, that, Loved that one. Yeah. Also very true mm-hmm. um, to real life. What inspired you to ask your fans to write haikus about love and relationships? And, and what was the response like? Um, well, I, you know, I was looking for something to do on Instagram leading up to Valentine's Day. And I love, I love sort of taking a concept of like what love is and twisting it around. And so I love, and I love the concept of like life lessons, like things that we've learned in our lives that are just sort of small day-to-day things because we all learn stuff all the time. And I feel like life lessons can be a lot of the time interpreted as like some big lofty thing. But I think that like, the things about like cohabitation can be a lot, you know, is much better if, if one of you likes cleaning <laughs> is a total life lesson that you end up learning yeah. the first time you live with someone. And so I really wanted to see what people would do with that concept. Like I thought about doing it just myself and just writing them, but I thought then it would be more interesting and more engaging if I could get other people involved. And so it was more of a conversation and having people submit them sounded really fun. And I had no idea if people would do it or not. Mm-hmm. But it was an idea that was like, you know what, let's just like throw this out here and see what happens. And people really got into it. We had a ton of submissions. And it was actually very, very hard to pick the ones that I ended up ultimately illustrating. What if you had to distill the essence of what people um, were saying to you in their responses in their haikus? What does it all come down to? Um, you know, that's a thing. really good question. It's a lot of, well, it was a lot of, there were some different themes that kept coming up a lot. Like there were a lot of like online dating type things, like a lot of things about like swiping left and right and Tinder, <laughs> which was good. And then we had one of the things that I really appreciated was that we had a few submissions that were very poignant and really real and not funny but that were really significant can you, emotionally. Can you remember um, any of them? Yes. We had one that said, if he leaves you when you have a mastectomy, it is not your fault. That Which just takes my breath away. Yeah. Yeah. And it took mine away too when we got it. And it sort of took a left turn. And it was really interesting because they had, I, had, I had featured you know mostly funny ones in 90 5% of the submissions up until that point were, you know, sort of jokey about like bad judgment and like sequin jeans and handlebar mustaches and stuff. And getting this one was, I really wanted to feature it because I felt like it was a really, not only was it a good haiku, but it was also 
um, really important. It was really important to say that. I mean, that, that is true. Like Mm -hmm. if someone, if bad, if some bad thing happens and somebody can't deal and they, and they bail, it's not your fault. Yeah. You know, and that's certainly a life lesson that, uh, has become more and more clear to me as I've, as I've gotten older and it's taken me a long time to understand that. And I feel like any time that I can sort of nudge anybody in that direction, it's really rewarding to be able to have a little bit of a platform to be able to do that. How much money do you make? How big is your savings account? These are some of the most personal and maybe uncomfortable questions that someone can ask you. But where does that discomfort come from? On Open Account, a podcast created by Umqua Bank and hosted by Suchin Pak and her guests get open and honest about making, losing, and living with money. You'll hear an MBA star talk about his first professional paycheck, a Daily Show producer recall his parents' penny-pinching, and a husband and wife duo discuss the role that marriage plays in managing their small businesses. And that's just the first three episodes. These conversations wind up being about way more than dollars. They're about culture, power, class, and the complex emotions that drive our financial decisions. Open Account is available wherever you get your podcasts, so download, subscribe, and get a little bit more comfortable with your money. I want to go back to your empathy cards. You started this line last year and sort of instantly took off. You've said that the cards were inspired by your own experience. Uh, You were 24 and had stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm wondering what that experience, how that influenced your decision to create these cards and, and what did people do or not do when you were sick that sure. was? Well, you know, it's interesting when you're sick and this was, you know, this was now 15 years ago. And one of the most difficult parts of being sick for me was not like losing my hair or, you know, those kinds of things that people traditionally talk about, especially like in greeting cards, you have like a lot of jokes about like free boob job for breast cancer or like going bald or whatever. And it was really, I felt really isolated and really lonely because I felt like I was sort of behind this glass wall of my illness and people who had been my friends and who were my friends suddenly just had no idea what to say to me. And it wasn't it's not anyone's fault. Like we don't, as a culture, talk about these things. We don't have any preparation and we don't have, we don't get educated about what to do and what to say when bad things happen to people we know. And so we end up reaching for like platitudes or people end up turning away because they're too nervous and they feel like they're going to screw it up or they don't know what to say or they're waiting for the right words. And then they end up just kind of ghosting because they don't, they don't know. And then they feel awkward and then too much time goes by. And so you're in a sort of strange situation as, as, and it's not just as a patient, whether you're, you know, it, it, it could be if you're, if you lost someone close to you, if your spouse has passed away, if your kid has passed away, where people say these things to you, like, oh, everything happens for a reason, or, you know, they're in a better place now, or just there's all kinds of sort of that spectrum of things. People, people really like to, to, um, to suggest things like to give advice, like, oh, you know, have you tried, you have this, oh, I read about, you know, my cousin's friend tried like drinking aloe juice every day from a crystal vase and she like, it's is fine totally now. fine now. And um, it's really hard because those things all, you have very conflicting emotions. You're like, I'm super appreciative of all these people who are trying to reach out to me and I 
appreciate that and I appreciate them. And yet at the same time, it just highlights kind of the difference between where you are and where they are because you feel like no one really understands what this is like. And actually, you know, for example, I am awake all night, every night, Googling what I have and trying to figure out like exactly the best treatment plan and what makes the most sense. And so, yeah, I know all this stuff. And the treatment that I have, have chosen is the treatment that I've chosen for a reason. It's you know? not aloe. It's not aloe, you know, <laughs> and, and like, but thank you. I appreciate your, your concern, you know, and so it's, you end up in this place where you feel, I think, really, really isolated and really like people don't just people don't get where you're at. Mm -hmm. And it's not anybody's fault, like, because they're not in the same place as you are. And so the cards that I made, um, the empathy cards, I really wanted to create something that would help people going through illness or loss feel seen and heard. And I really wanted to make something that would help friends and family of those people connect with them in a way that both of them felt like that transaction had been successful. You know what I mean? Like, because I know that a lot of the time, and I've been on the other side of it too, where you say something and you're like, why did I say that? Like, I'm such an idiot. Oh my God. Like that was not the right thing to say. That wasn't the right thing to do. I just feel totally unequipped. And I wanted to, to provide something that helped both people on both ends feel like they connected. So we're in an age of, you know, absolute media saturation. We get um, messages and words and news from dozens and dozens of outlets every moment of every day. What is the role of the good old-fashioned greeting card in our lives right now? What role should it play? I think that it plays a bigger role than ever because I think that what it does is it cuts through all that stuff. And there's a lot of talk in the greeting card industry and sort of hand-wringing and fear around, like, are greeting cards going away? Like, are they, you know, are, is it, like, do we have a generation now that only wants to text each other and send e-cards? And, you know, and I think that um, that's actually that no. I mean, I think that the opposite is actually true. Maybe we don't send the volume. I mean, you know, you aren't sending Halloween cards. And, you know, my, gra my grandmother used to send a card for, like, Flag Day, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so I think in that context, you maybe aren't sending – we're not sending the volume of cards that we used to. But I think that the ones that we do send become more meaningful. And I think they have kind of a bigger job to do because they are an actual tangible object that you can, like, put up on your fridge or put up at work or look at later, whereas it's not everything else in your life is, like, a text or, like, a snap or, a you know, whatever it's going to be in two years. Yeah. yeah. and um, But just nothing that's permanent. And a card actually feels really special in light of all that other stuff. So you, for lack of a better word, and I hate this term, but it's, you know, the tech term du jour, you have disrupted the greeting card industry. You have said things that no one has ever said before on paper. You have expressed things that all of us think and never know exactly how to say. And I'm thinking, what are some other, if you could choose another industry that could be turned on its head and that could benefit from your brand of honest and relatable, you know, truth telling, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. I think that there is a lot of mythology around parenthood that we culturally could use some more voices and some more mainstream voices talking about what it's actually like and expectations versus reality and 
giving people permission to feel a range of emotions beyond just this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and making it okay and acceptable to love your kid and at the same time not love every single minute of being a parent um, because I feel like those two things are sort of presented as opposites um, in our culture and I don't think it really helps anyone. I think, I mean, I think there is some truth telling and there are some great voices out there that, that speak to this. But I do think that one of the last kind of social taboos is to actually admit yes. out loud that you don't like your kid sometimes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and there are some great voices. I didn't mean to say that there are not no. because there certainly are like some amazing voices talking about that. But you're right. It's, admitting out loud that you sometimes don't like your kid or that you don't like being a parent or that, you know, maybe you will be happy when they get to the next phase and are able to interact with you in a different way. And that that is so, it's so frowned upon to be able to be honest about those kinds of things. Yet almost all the parents I know have expressed some variation of those things to me. You know, that's just, it's, it's so common. I'd like to end, Emily, by asking you to read. Um, I wish listeners could see this card because it's quite beautiful. Emily just released a new line of cards. And one card in particular really got an incredible response when she posted it on Instagram. And to end today, I just want to ask her to read that card, the Japanese. Sure. Yeah. So this card um, is has a black background. And I used gold foil on it. And so it has a painted... Um, ceramic bowl, green ceramic bowl on it, and that has a crack in it, and the crack has been mended with what is gold foil. So it looks like a gold thread crack running through um, the the pot where it's cracked. And it says, in Japan, broken objects are often repaired with gold. The flaw is seen as a unique piece of the object's history, which adds to its beauty. Consider this when you feel broken. Emily McDowell, thank you so much for being on The Labor of Love today. Thank you so much for having me. Emily McDowell is a Los Angeles-based writer, designer, illustrator, and owner of Emily McDowell Studio. And you can find cards and everything else that she has for sale at her amazing website, emilymcdowell.com. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. As always, if you'd like to be a guest on our show or if there is a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, and our editor, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find more podcasts from Real Simple. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love. 